social media family. Thank you once again for joining us for another in the Lessons from David series. Now, I'm believing I'm on the right lesson. We left off on lesson four last time, didn't we? We are on lesson five tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Lesson five. So lesson five is, the subtitle is, A Heart for God. A Heart for God. So we are going to start back in Samuel, 1 Samuel. Going back to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 16, starting at verse, let's look at verse 6, and we'll start there. Now, just keep that theme in mind, a heart for God. Okay. All right. First name of 16, starting at verse 6, and then New Living Translation. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Elab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Now, this is, again, this is... Jesse's eldest son, right? And this is the one that looked the part. He looked like, okay, this guy, this is a stud right here. He, he's got to be the one. Okay. But look at verse seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. All right, let me pause right here. Now, when we, we hear this, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Why is it so easy to get caught up in appearances? Because it's in the natural. A whole society's built on it. Yeah. Commercials, advertising, everything. It's right in our face all the and time. Yeah, you can see it. You can touch it. You know. Yeah, yeah. feel through the five senses. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's good. It's true. Because it's easy. You know, because everything that I can touch, see, taste, feel, it, it that information is coming to me. Through my five senses, it's natural, right? But as we see here, the prophet saying, "Don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I rejected him." So, based on the world standards, this guy's a stud. He's got to be the one. He he has the resume. He looks. The he part. looks the part. Yes. But now the second question is, how do we get to the place where as the Lord looks at the heart, how do we get to the place that we do the same? That's hard. Get close to God's heart. For me, it takes a while. I got to know somebody for a while, you know? Once they start sharing their heart, then you can kind of get, a, get an idea of what's going on. Okay. 
because you know that phrase, you don't judge a book mm-hmm. by its cover. Mm-hmm. But mo- most of us, we guilty of that all the time. All the time. Imagine you go on a blind date and, and, and a girl comes out and it's like, wow, wow, look how. And you, you know her for about three or four days and you start thinking, she's not as pretty as I thought she was. You know? <laughs> then you meet somebody that's not pretty at all. And within a week, you start thinking, that's the sweetest girl I ever met. I mean. Yeah. And that, see, and it's funny, I was I was kind of thinking on that same wavelength because, like, when you think about attractive people, right, people that are considered attractive, they oftentimes get a pass. Mm-hmm. You know, in more ways than one, right? I mean, I if, if we're honest, if there's an attractive person and there's, like, a, you know, kind of a more of an overweight, not as attractive person. There's a tendency to kind of look at them differently, mm-hmm. as if 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 if, so, if somebody said, "Okay, somebody in this room is sick." You got the attractive person, then you got the person that's that's just kind of plain looking. Who are they gonna look at? The homely looking one, right? I saw a girl on TV. She's a singer, and she said she never gets traffic tickets because when she's speeding and she gets pulled, she says she starts crying. And they, they, they let them loose every time. And she's really good looking. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, if you were a dog girl, you'd have a pocket full of tickets. <laughs> but that, that just speaks to the reality of that, that how easy it is to be fooled by our physical senses, mm-hmm. the, the physical perception. I've known people who, I mean, you know, we all get angry and go, why are they this way or why are they this way or then and then are people who seem to have it all together, you know, like, why are they mean to everybody this and that? And I go, you know, I have a friend of mine, I'll say a, a, a they, I'm going to say like, you know, he in our grief and specify that because I put this on my Facebook, but I mean, I share this, but however, my friend, the person I know, if I didn't know them, I would think they were almost like fat shaming because the mom I'm talking about because they're very big into fitness but I'm very close with them and I know their heart and I mean there's been a few times they never ever made me feel like oh you need to get to the gym Julie. you know it's not like that but I told mom we were talking about the other day just different things I was sharing with her she was like I go I know them they have to have everything planned out like this and nothing can be out of order mm-hmm. and they're like it with themselves you know and very judgmental and i go i've never took it like they're like and julie and i need to get the gym with me it was just because they never did that anyway but when there's been a few things you could tell like oh gosh julie's getting weird or something you could tell the look but they never said it i'm like i know they're not like that to me mm-hmm. and when you know you know you just can't judge a book by its cover some people are like oh my gosh they think they're it they're so sexy and in the gym and everything i'm like I know this person is not like that. It's, it's a heart thing. There's something not good there. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm missing, you know, missing, mm-hmm. you know, there. So just as an example. That's good. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the people that jump to those conclusions, they are very insecure in themselves. And so yeah. the easiest thing to do is to badmouth someone else and project upon them yeah. exactly how you are. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's true. Right. Now I'm looking at the outline here. 
says, you don't need to buy into people's evaluation about you either because they may be merely looking on your outward appearance. If you're born again, then you are a brand new person on the inside. You are a brand new person on the inside. Now see, this is this one here. Now the next bullet point says, you're a king, a priest, and a son or daughter on the inside. Now think about that. King, priest, son or daughter. Now, if that's the way I, I, I receive me, I look at myself, then isn't it easier for me to be able to recognize the king, priest, son, and daughter in you as well? Wow, that's so big. Oh, pretty Because Terry just mentioned projection. Because a lot of times when when we're we're so focused on the superficial, you know, it's it's window dressing for something. All right. Now again, does that mean that it's it's not right to take care of yourself, your physical appearance and all that? Absolutely not. We should. But that's not the, the chief primary thing. That's not a primary importance. Mm-hmm. Primary importance is what's going on in here. And if what's going on in here straight, it'll give me a healthy motivation to take care of out here. I had a question. So how do you balance, you know, based on what you read, he said I'm a king and a priest. Son, daughter, you know, believe that. How do you? How does a person balance um, that without being conceited? Excuse me. Okay. All right. When we think about the temptation to be conceited, we go to the first one first, right? King, power, authority, right? The best way to remain humble is to look at those next two as a priest and a child, son or daughter. Yeah. Remembering the whole the whole gamut of who we are in God's sight. Right? Because when we go, let's go to let's go to John 15. start at verse 1, New Living Translation, go down to verse 8. Chapter Chapter 15. Chapter 15, 1 through 8. And I'm coming from the New Living Translation. All right. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. 
and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Verse four, remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered until piled to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Now, that, that old phrase that we used to hear about, the, don't forget where you come from. With this, with this kingdom authority that you have, don't forget where you come from. Because the only reason I have authority is because it's delegated to me. It's not, it's not in and of myself. And this is where, this is where we miss it. It's where, you know, sometimes, and then, you know, and I'm not going to get into all the um, stories of how men, men of God have fallen and all this type of stuff. But, you know, it, what begins to happen is people forget where their gifting, their calling, their anointing come from. It is not in and of themselves. It's the Holy Spirit working through them. It is a gift that has been given to be used. They are, be, they, are be present, they are to be presented as a gift to the body, right? And so it is with every one of us. We are gifts to the body, and the, the, the body is a gift to the world to draw them to the Lord. So when we read that, about our kingship, we got to remember how we got that. It's delegated. And that's the humility part. And remember the, the lesson title, A Heart for God. So if I, if I recognize and I just, I, I continually bring to remembrance who he is and what he's done for me, then that, that authority is not going to puff me up. Yeah, remember it's God, not us. Just remember, without him, you can't even take your next breath. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Right. And we get all puffy thinking we do anything. It almost sounds harsh sometimes when you say, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's not what he's saying. He's just trying to remind you who you are. Yeah. And that's the and it, and he just he's just putting it up the way it is. Yeah. You know, how are how are all things held together? By the word of his power. They still scientists still trying to figure it out. 
they, they, they keep breaking this atom down to the smallest thing and they, they think they got it. And then they, they find out it's something smaller than that. And they build them colliders. Yeah. Yeah. CERN don't have an answer for that. Mm -hmm. They're doing, they're doing uh, rituals now before they run that, that thing. All right. See, he's he going to have us banned. I'm, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to. We gonna stay. We gonna. <laughs> 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 he ain't gonna give me shadow band on Facebook. Keep going on with that. But that. Tune in next week. Yeah. Here, right. right. <laughs> but but I mean, and, but that just it just speaks to, you know, what is going on in our world today. It's just a lot of there's a lot of diabolical things that are just that are happening. And the scripture, the scripture says, it's not happening in the shadows either. Yeah, yeah, things are things are growing worse and worse. It's happening right out in front. But the good thing is, what is that? As things get darker, yeah, God's light gets the, the light is going to continue. It's going to shine even brighter. Right. The scripture where sin abound, grace abound, is even more. Uh, there you go. What does Mamie Johnson say? Yeah. It's not something days. He says it's glory days. You know what I'm talking about? Daniel Johnson. I'm looking at my outline again. It says, don't let other people's opinions, evaluations of who you are in the natural realm, your education, looks, talents, voice, and abilities, etc., limit you. Now, how many of us have been in that place where the opinions and the ideas of others, we've allowed them to limit us. Yep. All right. Limit and pop up. Ooh. It's really. Okay, there you go. All right, well, see, Mary, you can't just let that sit there. You got to expound on that. On the puff up part. <laughs> well, uh, it's uh, when you have when you have giftings that people um, um, people like to point that out. It's very easy if your heart isn't focused on the Lord to receive it and believe it and start thinking it's all about you. And the tumble comes every time. <laughs> mm -hmm. But. Uh, it's closer to you guys. It wasn't us in the first place. That's good. Yeah. You, you know, know you, um, well, yeah. Whoops. What was it? Go ahead. Yeah, Kevin, go ahead. I was <clears throat> thinking about, yes, Mary Dad, I was thinking about what I say. I was thinking the the verse, I was thinking about somebody great in the Bible with maybe experienced that in the New Covenant and um, I remember when, uh, I think it was John's disciples, when John was asking for evidence, John the Baptist, about Jesus, and he told him, basically gave him scripture, I think he was quoted from Isaiah or somewhere, go tell John, blind see, lame, walk, lepers, cleanse, deaf heard, and pour the gospel, preach to him. And so, in reading that, it seemed like they left and went at that point to tell John and then he starts saying really really great things about John it was like almost like you know don't go tell John that go tell John this don't, don't go tell him all the other accolades that he gave John about how he's the 
greatest you know, prophet that ever existed and greatest that ever born on women. But, you know, of course, we in the, the new covenant greater, but, but he had some great things to say about John, but he didn't tell John, he didn't tell him those things, it seemed like. His focus was basically let John know his job was accomplished, in a sense. Hmm. That's good. And there was Peter as well, who had a brilliant answer uh, when Jesus asked, who do men say I am? And, you know, in the next breath, practically, the voice had to rebuke him and say, get behind me, Satan. You know, but he, he definitely, Jesus definitely pointed out, you know, this is, this is not something that you came up with. This is something the Lord's given you and you're blessed. And uh, we all need to get to that point <laughs> of identifying that. Yeah, because of these, I, I myself have always been leery of great compliments from people to the point where I prefer them not to get them because I don't know, I feel like it might do me more damage than good. So it's kind of like maybe save it. <laughs> There's also a balance to acknowledge what God, what wonderful things God's. Put in people. Mm -hmm. There has to be just a balance of that because you don't want to deny if God's using you in a mighty way. It's not you. I mean, we have to comply. We have to, but that's to His glory. So mm -hmm. you don't want to not acknowledge it. Yeah, I, I experienced that when I was first down in ministry, and uh, I guess I would call her the mother of the church, old lady, and she called, you know. She said I was annoying. I, I rejected it. She kind of said, pull me this side and says, no. You know, when I speak that, I'm not really, I'm talking about the God in you. Not right, exactly. You. So she says, when I, people do that, don't reject it. Receive it un, and understand where it's coming from. Because it's like you're rejecting a gift from God. Right, you know, so she, she kind of, I'll use the word, scold me a little bit. <laughs> you, know? you need it. Yeah. <laughs> that points out another side as well. You know, mm -hmm. the whole gamut. <laughs> it's a balance. But the false humility. Right. Um, um, you know, choosing to, to act humbly, but in a sense, it's coming out of pride as well because it's still not focused on the Lord. You know, so it's a it's an interesting, interesting fine line between to, to and really, it's just all about keeping your eyes on Jesus instead mm -hmm. of yourself, yeah. receiving receiving compliments. Um, but directing people to the Lord every time. I love what Andrew Womack talked about the donkey that Jesus rode on. You know, about he goes, Can you imagine if that donkey would have been like, Oh no, y'all, don't fall at my feet. Don't, you know, take out the palm branches. I'm not worthy. And it's like, What is the Jesus saying? You're not, you know, that is like taking it that way. Yeah. <laughs> He talked one time about a singer that came and she had the most beautiful voice and yeah. and he talked about it and uh, and she kept saying, Oh no, I'm just running the mill and he said, What if I looked at her and said, You're right, you stink? He said he said, She would have dropped dead. Yeah. And she was demeaning herself he so that, that other people would build her up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Well the scripture says give honor where honor is due. 
right? And there's a there's a place for that because you know it's it's a there's different there's a difference between giving you know godly honor for someone and flattery. Mm-hmm. There's two different things mm-hmm. because flattery has a a motive behind it, yeah. but honor is just you responding to God's gift in someone else. Mm-hmm. You know. And you got to be mature to, to be able to, to receive that. I remember one time getting a word from somebody, and it was a, a God from the throne word. And I went up to him and I said, I want to thank you, man. You used of God. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it bothered me that he couldn't acknowledge that he was you know, used of God for something really great. He just mm-hmm. couldn't take it. He couldn't take it. And I, and I asked the Lord about it. He said, he will. He'll grow up in time until we mature enough. But at that time, there was no, there was no family. Mm-hmm. And they have a people who are, you know, who are extremely gifted. And I remember uh, this singer, some young man, Daryl Coley. And I remember listening to his testimony. I mean, phenomenal singer. Had an awesome voice. I mean, could probably sing any octave. Warning, and at the same time, he was gifted at preaching. He he said, I had to, I had to, you know, be careful not to believe my own press. But he was extremely gifted. I mean, but he said, I had to, you know, be not to believe, to believe the press where I get puffed up and so I'm thinking it's me. Mm-hmm. And so, like he said, you know, you got to have that balance because he was extremely gifted. I mean, just had a really awesome voice, you know, so. Yeah. I've heard that humility is basically it's agreeing with God. Whatever God says, you agree mm-hmm. with him. God says something's great, you agree with yeah, him. God says something's right. low, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. See, that's a t-shirt. That's a t-shirt right there. I like that. But think about think about how, I mean, there's, there's revelation in that. Oh, I'm sure. You know, I probably heard from Andrew or somebody like that. I'm sure. But keep more. Because, yeah, because, you know, you, you, what you're doing is you're exalting the word Mm -hmm. and you're suppressing feelings, natural Mm -hmm. senses, sense knowledge. So you're elevating God's word and subduing other lines of information that you receive. I mean, and, and what what is is greater humility than that? Because that, that way you can avoid both pitfalls, the false humility and the arrogance. You can walk that line. But I think that's, I was kind of thinking the other day that there's a difference between, because I know the world teach, follow your heart. The word teach guard your heart. That's true. Yeah. Because when you follow your heart, you know either you can go mm-hmm. puff yourself up, mm-hmm. or you can, you know, bleed the negative thing, and you can, you know, begin to beat yourself up. But when you guard your heart, now I'm paying attention to is this from God or yeah. is this me? So you're guarding it, and you're. When you guard something, you what is it? You determine what goes in and what goes out. Like I'm watching, paying attention. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I received this, but 
I don't see that. I can't let that get in. But I can let this get in. So the difference between following your heart and guarding your heart. That's good. With the the scenario where um, that spirit that was in the lady that was following Paul and God, who Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Silas were just kept on, you know, these men are servants of the Most High God. Come show us the way of salvation. Mm -hmm. She just kept on and on and and then says, I don't know if that considered flattery or what is considered, but later on says that Paul he's he was grieving him. He basically got tired of it. He rebuked the spirit and come out of her and Paul was brought some trouble for him, but yeah. Yeah. That like a I mean that was compliments coming from the others, uh, from Satan, or that they said flattery, or but I know it was something they definitely greet, you know. Okay, well, I think we need to go ahead and go there then. Acts 16. Acts 16. All right, so then we'll start. Let me see. Start at verse 16. Acts 16, 16. All right. In the New Living Translation says, One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the most high God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and instantly it left her. All right, so. Verse 17, you hear her saying that these men are the servants of the Most High God. All right, this is this a true statement? Yeah, it's a true statement. And they have come to tell you how to be saved. Another true statement. Right? But now, this, this is a spirit of is divination, right? But testifying of the truth. Telling the truth. So, I mean, now, the way we define flattery, I don't, I don't know if this fits that category. Um, especially not the way Proverbs talks about it. However, we, we see something here. How this spirit of divination is telling a truth 
but you see what the motive behind it is. Like what why why is she doing this? Like why is this spirit of divination continuing to say this? For profit. Yeah, she was actually working for the devil, but she was trying to make it look like she was part of this group by promoting them. I wonder because remember how many times when Jesus was confronted with somebody that was um, demon possessed, they pronounced who he was as well. I wonder if they can't help but in a sense bow the knee to Christ inside of Paul. That's good. Yeah. And declare who he is because every spirit is going to declare who Jesus Christ is one day. And I wonder if when presented that in that close proximity, if they can't help themselves, because why in the world would they want anybody else to hear that? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just a thought. I, I've never thought about it before, but it's just a. No, the see that. No, there's revelation right there. I can see that. Because you think about, think about the, the demon at, of the gatherings, right? Mm -hmm. What happened? He ran up to him, mm -hmm. to Jesus. Yeah. But the light of Christ standing before this demon, he couldn't do nothing but bow to knee and testify mm -hmm. to who he was. Mm -hmm. yep. <clears throat> and I, and and this is this, and I, I can definitely see that that's what's happening here. So I guess the question is why would Paul cast it out? Because that's another question. And I haven't put mm -hmm. Well think about it. Well <laughs> but think about it, right? Then Eric, you preaching. You going to preach. There's some women behind you. This is this is Eric Sessoms. The grace man preaching the freedom from from, from sin. Doing this constantly, consistently, yeah. like you on you on the live feed on Saturday <laughs> night. <laughs> Somebody on bullhorn shouting at, but shouting at, and, and, you know, at the window, right? They telling the truth. Yeah, but they're the right. Because because what is it's it's a distraction. Yeah, and in in Paul's case, is drawing attention to him. Is drawing attention to him. Yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah. Right? It's just like, you know, when he got bit by that snake. Mm -hmm. And then the people would start, they started to call him what? A god. Mm -hmm. Because he ain't died. Yeah. So, him responding the way he did, you know, it's, it's deliverance for this woman. And it's, it's getting rid of this distraction to the, the gospel message being proclaimed. We had a guy coming to a meeting we were at uh, up in the mountains, and he started talking about God and Jesus, but it wasn't him. It was a devil talking. And he was saying the right things, but it was aggravating. When he was saying it, you knew that he didn't know, and you knew he was just repeating something that he heard and that it wasn't from his heart. I got so angry, 
I mean, uh, you know, the guy eventually we got him out of there, but he was he he was, he was a wild man. Yeah. You remember the guy was living in a dumpster? No. And they brought him in. Oh gosh. So, you know, you just imagine how, how big of a distraction it is. And just like in the example that Gene just gave, you know, people trying to get the word and they're trying to, you know, focus on growing in the word. And then you got some, being, you, you got a, a spirit that's interjecting itself, mm-hmm. bringing confusion and bring just bringing, you know, this disorder. We had that one time at our other meeting when swimming pool was. A guy came in from another room and started talking about he and the man upstairs were real close. And he started making these comments like like he was Billy Graham or something. And you knew the guy didn't know nothing. But he was in there trying yeah, to make himself. Yeah. You remember him? Yeah. And uh, he, he, he eventually left. But he had the same spirit. Wow. Do you remember that? He came, was at our meetings when we were at the motel. He walked in. I think he came twice. He just happened to be walking down the hall. And yes, he, yes, and he I, gave I, yes. Bible. yes, I yes, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Well, we used to go to church years ago, twenty years ago or so. You know, first church. Well, there was actually a couple of guys. One of them, he would come in. And he didn't say anything, but he would move places in the church. It was only like seventy-five people in there, maybe a hundred. And in the service, and the pastor ended up, our pastor at the time, he had to, I was up closer, maybe like third, fourth row or something, mm-hmm. mom, or all of a sudden he just looked at me, he goes, excuse me, sir, you need to sit. And this guy would just move, we wouldn't even say anything, but he would just sit for a few minutes, people would just like, sit. And there was another guy who would do that too, I don't know, there was something going on there, you know, just, I would just randomly go on church service, just move around, you know, <laughs> other than that. Well, you see the, the, the theme though, right? Anything to take, yeah, take away. Yeah. attention away Just from the focus. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, since we in verse, since we in chapter sixteen, I'm gonna read verse nineteen. It says, "But when her owners discovered that their hope of profit was gone, they caught hold of Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities in the in the forum marketplace where trials are held." See, when you start stirring up demons and casting them out, and people's getting money off them demons, and people going to get mad at you. And when they brought them before the magistrates, they declared, these fellows are Jews, and they are throwing our city into great confusion. Now, who is really bringing the confusion in this situation? It is that woman. They encourage the practice of customs, which is is unlawful for us Romans to accept or observe. Hmm. Now we can kind of go a little deeper into this because that kind of doesn't that reflect the culture today. Just think about what is considered Christian and wholesome versus the different types of philosophies and agendas that the culture at large is trying to promote. Oh, let me not go down that rabbit hole. All right, All right let's go back to First Samuel 16. 
at verse 8, just looking at the line up here and what, what happens. It says, then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah. But Samuel said, neither is this the one that the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. Now look at that last part. Now this isn't necessarily in our outline, but it is in part of the text of the study where you see the honor that was given to, to David here? Because Samuel told him, don't, don't nobody sit down until David comes. Well, he knew that David was the man because he'd already he'd already mixed all the other sons. So he knew this was the guy that was coming, was the chosen one. You know? Hmm. So we're not going to sit till he gets here. And it's not like today where Samuel could have, you know, or, or one of Jesse could have sent him a text message. Yeah. I said, hey, come come to profit, won't you? Yeah. That was an Son. inconvenient wait. Come over here right now. <laughs> so they had to send a messenger out to go get him out, out in the field. So they had to wait for him to run out there and tell him, and then for them to for them to come back. So, verse 12 says, So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, This is the one. This is the one. Anoint him. Now, the King James says, And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look, look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him for this is he. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil. He had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now, it, I just, I, I'm looking at, you know, like David, okay, the way he's described here. Now, it, it don't sound like a king to me. It sound like a model. Sound like a rocker. <laughs> All right, GQ magazine. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah. I think king, you know, you think the square jaw and like the beard, just, just you know, kind of just that warrior, kind of, you know, strong looking guy. But King James said he was goodly to look to. So he didn't fit the, the mold, so to speak, outwardly. That's probably why Samuel even being a prophet for like 
Him? That's surely he looks king. No. No. That's not him. You know, and it's like him was like, yeah, that's him. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because you know, Samuel's a prophet. This is a man of God. He hears from God. And he saw the eldest son, and he looked at him. It's like, yo, this got to be the dude. He, okay. He's the guy. Kingly, looks at long beard, you know. Uh -huh, but God, but but the Lord had to had to let him know he's not the one. Now, if a prophet was around today that anointed somebody like that, he'd stand around and make sure something happened. Samuel thumped the horn of oil on him and left, left that up to God, <laughs> and then saw hiring to play for him before he knew. That's true. It's like people want to make you be slain in the spirit or something today. It's like. Push it down. It's like, it's like, uh, I've been pushed down before. Oh boy, I'm not fine. <laughs> All right, I'm looking at our outline here. It says, God chose David despite of the fact that in the natural he didn't have the height, build, or looks. God chose him because of his heart. When David arrived, the Bible describes his appearance as ruddy. Which literally means reddish. Mm -hmm. So scholars aren't sure whether this means he was a, he was redheaded or had red complexion. But either way, would certainly be unusual for a Jew. This word also has the connotation that he was pampered. Is what we would call a mama's boy today. Whatever your limitations are in the natural, God looks at the heart, even if your body's handicapped. God isn't looking at that. Your heart isn't handicapped unless you choose to let it be that way. And that's a statement. When you look at that description and then you look at what David did later, I mean, he was a warrior's warrior. He wasn't, he, he was like the man. When he, when, boy. <laughs> when he said, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Some of those walls were 20, 30 feet high and wide. And, and they weren't kidding when they sang the songs. About it, he was like Superman. I'm kind of struggling with that commentary a little bit because when when I hear ruddy and bright eyed, that just says healthy, strong, bright cheeks, like you know you got good blood flow <laughs> and and good looking. I mean, everything to me speaks of somebody who's who uh, you know he was young and so he wasn't a big muscular soldier type person it seems like he was an athlete for sure yes, everything we know about his life and the thing that i was just what i was reflecting on which is why i'm in this direction is um i'm wondering about the parallel with jesus because um i've heard many people say oh jesus wasn't a man to be looked at or anything like that from isaiah but all that's in the context of his suffering to me it's in the same chapters mm -hmm. right around um isaiah 53 and and i just wonder you know jesus coming into the world and no sin on him he i would have thought he would be attractive he would be somebody that that um would have have the eye appeal not necessarily look like what people you know, the, the soldier, the fighter, the, the one who was going to take down the Roman kingdom. But um, at the same time, 
don't know. It's just a speculation <laughs> right now. But when, when I hear Ruddy and Gardai, I just think of somebody who's healthy, strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when I think of Jesus, um, I like to what Mary said, but I think I just say, well, he was just an ordinary looking person because when I think about that, mm-hmm. I remember the scripture said that um, remember Judas had to kiss him in order for them to know who Jesus was. So Jesus didn't really stand out like, you know, different disciple. He, he dressed like them, pretty much looked you know, the same like them. It wasn't, even though he was their teacher, it wasn't nothing specific by him that stuck out that separated him from the disciples. Yeah, I would just thought that he would he would, no, but I don't think you know. I've, I've heard so many people talk and elaborate on he wasn't anything to look at, and, you know, uh, in a negative connotation. Like he was, I, I look at you know, like he was, he was just ordinary, but he was healthy, right. and he's a carpenter, and he didn't have sin on him, and that's the point that I was really making. Is um, you know, so much of what drags us down is the sin we've chosen. And Jesus didn't have that. And that's that's all I was meaning. I wasn't meaning he was, you know, wow. <laughs> right. That's the starlight person. Right. I, I love it. Jesus. Anyway, it's just that, a, yeah. That's good. Yeah. And Andrew had said a long time ago in one of his funny things, and Robert said he goes, um, with Jesus, you know, he came humble, you know, he didn't have like a great appearance, but like, you know, Eric was saying, right, mom and I talked about that too, and it was, you know, funny, Andrew's like, if I came, I'd have been Hercules, I'd have been all possibly, I'd have been good, <laughs> yes, and talented, this and that, and he goes, but it's amazing how God chose right. to right. be humble, and I go, wow. But just think of, think about it, though, like, it, it, the, the supernaturally natural, born in a manger, and like G, like like Eric said, Judas had to kiss him to identify him, right? You know, because you know people have the image of you know just the the the, the grandeur and the just the the all of the splendor and all that stuff. Like like them, I don't know how many of y'all know that movie Last Dragon, where the the, the, the man is glowing. Oh yeah. He's glowing. They think, you know, if he, if he, you God, you Jesus, you supposed to be glowing and like floating and stuff, right? Right. Yeah. Right. But and it just it points to all of the the natural things that you can see with your physical eyes that are spectacular, but the Savior of the world was born in a manger. Mm-hmm. He walked amongst his disciples. He ate fish with them. All that. Yeah, but yet, raised Lazarus from the dead. Healed a woman with the issue of blood. And he ate them on the plain mm-hmm. That had sin on them. Yep. He was humble enough to go. He, won't, he wasn't looking at their outward appearance. He was looking at their heart. Because that's what he is about the heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we talk about being being comfortable and present 
whether you're in the pit or the palace. That's, that's, that's our Lord. Looking back at my outline, it says, and if, and if you seek him with a perfect heart, he'll raise you up to do miracles in your life just as surely as he did for David. And later in the word, later in the chapter, the word goes on to say, one of Saul's servants suggested David play his heart before Saul to alleviate the torment of the evil spirit that was plaguing Saul. It is no coincidence that David's name just happened to be brought up. I believe Samuel did this in, in secret because he was afraid of what Saul might do. The next point says, this principle is true. Once you've begun to seek the Lord and he releases his anointing on your life, you're like a cork that could be put. They could put you on the, the bottom of the lake but you'll rise again. Right. So you think about somebody who had and somebody else who had a heart for God, think about Joseph. Like how many how many times did you know did he have opportunity to to, to get bitter? Ooh. Being a man and just going through what he went through and sticking with it. That's powerful. That's that's a powerful man. Yeah. When the scripture says he is the author and the finisher of our faith, you know, that that Joseph, you see his eyes continuing to stay on him. Because they had to be. Because ain't no way you're gonna go through all that without wavering or having, you know, developing some some goodness. Because your own brothers throw you in a pit. And they wanted to kill him. If it weren't for, you know, the one standing up for him. I just wonder if Joseph, was he just naive or was he in prayer when he told his brother to drink? Was he just being naive? I he didn't he know. I'm a man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where it came off. <laughs> but I think, you know, because I was reading that the other day and I was like, was he just. Was he was just sharing. <laughs> yeah, he was just sharing something, but it came off as being like, who do you think you are? Yeah. Mm. That is something that I want to look at that. Yeah. I want to look at that a little more. Why he just, he told that. But, but think about it, though. It's like, okay, because it, it, it could win either way. Yeah. Because if you got a younger brother and you got a bunch of all these older brothers, like, yeah. I, saw, I had a dream and all y'all gonna bow to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You can see a younger brother doing that. Yeah, he's been getting slapped yeah. around for years, probably. Oh, yeah. They're right? so jealous of who they can see. But also, on the flip side, just you having this dream and just be like, oh, you know, being it so, so, so vivid and so real, you know, that's your family. You wanna tell them, like, hey, this, this, yeah. this, this, this dream is like, wow, XYZ happened. Because even when he told his dad, his dad was like, What's wrong with you? Who do you think you are? But then they said his dad kind of in secret was like, hmm, you know, maybe something to this. But his dad took it as like, oh, so you gonna lead us with you? You cocky now? 
I'm making that source that there's four different families that you're talking about, and all the moms were dreadfully jealous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're talking about some real family strife there. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Now the question is now, and I'm just thinking about thinking about Joseph now. How do you prevent your heart from from just being damaged and becoming bitter? When the people that are closest to you hurt you. And you go from slave to prison to prison and you still hang on to that, you know? And that goes back to the, what Eric was saying near the beginning of the class about guarding your heart. Yeah. Because that would be easy to happen. I think remembering where envy and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. And there's been times in my life recently where I've had to let go of things and, you know, like really choosing to forgive people. And I would stop. My mom does. And she's been around one. Been like this. I go, they owe me nothing. I owe this to myself. Mm-hmm. God, I forgive them. I forgive them. I let myself hear it in any way. It's just like, God, help me, you know, forgive. Like, you forgave me. And Jesus, you know, I just... But yeah, you know, he said he's like guard your heart, you know, and you know, going to God about that kind of stuff, keeping it out of your heart. That's hard to do. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of times, a lot of times you forgive and you're still angry, but you keep forgiving until that anger subsides. Yeah, yeah, you have to make a choice. Now. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. my life, like Even it was hard for so long. I'm like, yeah, yeah, forgive them. But then one, like when it really came to a point where I knew it was for my own good, I knew I go. I cannot do this. It was like the elephant in the room. I kept, well, yeah, I have to get them out. I really, I really shouldn't have to. You know, you, you know, deep down, you think that, but mm-hmm. you're like, it's like God, God, and do it. You know, like the purpose, like, you've got to get this out of your life. And I'm like, you're right, God, I got to get this out of my life. And you know, it was just one night ago. I've got to stop putting this in the back burner anyway. And I did it. I mean, you know, I made the choice to step, but I think my heart really was anchored. Well, I know it was like anchored into it, not. I know what it is, but it was like it's changed this time. And I go, you know, I mean, I have some pop up in my mind. I go, no, they owe me nothing. I owe this to myself. Jesus, I forgive them. Just like you forgave me, help me, thank you, you know, whatever. But I did that for years before the feelings left. I mean, I had feelings where I wanted, I wanted to hurt somebody. And I kept saying, Lord, I forgive, I forgive. And I didn't in my heart, but I just kept. Saying it, believe it, and eventually uh, I thought about it, and the feelings weren't there anymore. They had left. Months ago, I did it. I made the determination, and it was a couple weeks ago. I was riding by somebody's house. I used to hate them. I did it. We'll say I used to hate them. It was not good, or almost hated them. And I told mom, like, oh my god, I go. I just started crying. I stretched my hand out in their house. Let's go, Jesus, touch this person. Whatever I said, and I was like, it felt so good in my heart to feel that way. I go, thank you, Jesus. Do you ever want something so bad that you're praying and praying and praying and praying, and sometimes over a period of years, and you don't get it, and you question God why you didn't get it, and everything. then a year or two, three later, you see why you didn't get it, and you go, thank you so much, you didn't bring that into my life. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's being held back. Even after getting this. Thank God's not doing it. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Things get in the way. Okay. Let's go to Matthew 6. 
All right. Now we we looking at the Lord's Prayer, right? Now I want once just to, to remember what, what Eric was talking about. It's like I, guarding our heart. Start at verse six is but when you pray, go into your most private room and closing the door. This is the amplified classic I'm reading from. Pray to your father who is in secret. who sees in secret and rewards you in the open. And when you pray, do not heap up phrases, multiple words repeating the same ones over and over as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their much speaking. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray therefore like this, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be, hallowed, keep holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right. Let's pause. Now, earlier the question was asked, how do we keep from, how do we recognize our identity and authority without allowing that to puff us up and get us arrogant? Look at that first line. Our father was in heaven. Hollow be your name. This acknowledgement of who 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 he is. You acknowledging him first and foremost. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right. Now that's the priestly aspect here, right? The ambassador. You us exercising our ambassadorship. Verse eleven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven, left, remitted, and let go of the debts and have given up resentment against our debtors. Verse 12. That's, that's us guarding our heart right there. Verse 12. We're bringing our stuff to the Lord and we're leaning on him to empower us to forgive those who have trespassed against us. Because this is a major weapon the enemy uses. Because if any of y'all read that book, The Bait of Satan, you know how the enemy loves to use offense to get us tripped up. And it's just to stop us. And lead us, bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. How do you justify that statement with the I'm figuring the truth that God doesn't tempt us. He'll prove us, mm -hmm. but that's not the same as tempting. Mm -hmm. I haven't looked that word up in the original to see what it is. I always took it as like, help me not to be tempted or help, you know. Well, well <clears throat> you always kind of took it as it. Too, and 
Mm-hmm. That, actually, when I prayed in my own words, many times I always just pray. I mean, God knows me better than even I know me. So he knows what will tempt me better than even I know what will tempt me. So I always yeah. say, lead me away from temptation. Yeah. Because the Amplified says, bring us not into temptation. That's not what God does. Yeah, it's like, Daddy, don't, don't take me to a bad place. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Right. But we, I think people have taken like this, and you don't remember when the Bible was led into the wilderness to be tempted. And so they took that as, you know, okay, yeah, he, you know, God's going to do us the same way, but okay, the, the revelation of that Jesus had to be led because it wasn't nothing him to lead to temptation. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit had to lead him mm-hmm. so he could be tempted, so he could show us how to deal with mm-hmm. him. Because there was nothing in right. him to draw him. Mm. All right, now you got to say that again. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't nothing in Jesus. He had no sin. Right. So, it wasn't nothing in him to draw him to temptation. So, the Holy Spirit had to lead him. So, he can show us how to Yeah, well, because the Holy Spirit, yeah, Holy Spirit led him, and then he was able to fight it. So he was tempted at all points, yet did sin. But the Holy Spirit had to lead him, so he could show us how to overcome. If you tell some people that that he was tempted with women, with men, with drugs, well, they almost want to fight. Those weren't the three things. They almost want to fight you and say, "No, there's no way he was tempted." Right, but I did. I I don't want us to lose how strong that revelation is. Mm -hmm. What he just said, Mm -hmm. because because think about what James says. Let no one, no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. Mm-hmm. That's what, why I what, what the original wording is. In what, what flaws did Jesus have? No. None. None. So in order for him to be led into temptation, the Holy Spirit had to guide him to the point where Satan was. Right. Right. Interesting. So he came Right. The same was given it his best shot. Because we could, if Jesus and Holy Spirit had let him, then it wouldn't be in the scripture where he was tempted. Then we would say, okay, well, like you went, well, Jesus never experienced none of that. So I, how can he tell us how to overcome saying? Because mm-hmm. he never, once again, it was nothing in him to draw him to that. We're born with a sinful nature, so we, by nature, are drawing. Yeah, we're the magnets. Yeah. Sin. <laughs> Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is dragged away, enticed and baited to commit sin by his own worldly desire, lust, passion. All right. That's good. That's good. So when we talk about having the heart for God, right, and recap. What can we gather from what we talked about? You're looking at the Lord's Prayer, looking at David's life, looking at Joseph's life. Number one, 
David and Joseph, they had a high regard for God's word. Mm -hmm. Extremely. Mm -hmm. It was the final authority. Mm -hmm. right. It is continuous relationship and fellowship. And they never put their current circumstances ahead of the word. Mm. That's you know, it. I think they were both too. This is just That's a fruit good. of what the relationship with God thing was like with them. But I think they both were exceptional in anything they did. Like, I think if David hadn't been king or anointed king, I think God wanted he was a shepherd, you know. I think he wanted him to be a carpenter. He wanted him to go, you know, like Jesus. I mean, he wanted him to go open like a fruit stand or something. He would have did it so well. And Joseph proved that too because he was put in, you know, pals. He, he was over top of something in the jail. He moved up. And I'm like, wow, these guys were great at everything that they did it unto God. It was just amazing. But isn't that encouraging that when you don't feel as if you are where God's actually called you just be patient in that place keep focused on him and he'll raise you up put others down to get you where he wants you instead of just getting overwhelmed with wherever you are oh woe is me i'll never get to where i'm supposed to be and, you know i didn't this wasn't part of the deal yeah they, they really encourage me yeah. just don't ever take your eyes off of him and you'll get to where you're supposed to be but I just say that in, in order to have a, a heart for God, you got to know the heart of God. Mm -hmm. It's been the time. You have to know that He's good. <laughs> yeah, because you don't to know. Once him, again, yeah. we, we, it gets God's character gets distorted yeah. through, you know, sometimes the Old Testament, we take that. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know. We get His heart gets confused with our circumstances or bad religion. As we say here sometimes, take your cows and stuff like that. And so, but you have to know the nature of him, his heart, in order to have, you know, the heart for God. It's true. David's, again, we've said it a few times, like the past several weeks, but he was spending all that time he did out in the field. That's just worshiping. And, you took the sorry, yeah. <laughs> she was saying, it's, just, it's amazing. He knew. He knew. He had it. He stayed connected. Because I think I heard you say if your lens is wrong. Perception. Yeah. We've been talking about perception. Right. Your perception of his heart is wrong. She can look at one thing different than yeah. I do. It all matters is what God says. And that's what I'm something something about this like if they don't say it, it don't matter what I think. It I mean it might matter, but it don't matter. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's like this is what matters. Words right. Yeah, but if that's off, yeah, you know, that's the way you perceive the word. Yeah, it's true. that's why I said. Remember, I told you a long time ago. When I was a teenager, young, twelve or thirteen or something, I remember asking God to never let me be deceived, and I go to help me to not be deceived. Mm -hmm. And I, you get that's a heart prayer, and He's going to hey, let's keep coming and trying to shift. You know, get your perception, my perception back to what is us here. Because I got to have a lot of things that don't feel right. And I know I'm not looking at it right. At least I know. I just go, that's going to have to be him. And even while like I said, some of the things her and I have been through that only, you know, I'm a little, he knows a lot. It's, um, the only thing I can do is, and then I would, I would notice that it would come out of here so much because I put so much in. And I still millions of things to do, but... In the middle of the worst, I would go, 
you are still good. I know you're still good. You are still good. And I, as I begin to say how good he is, the rivers of living water would rise up. Everything I knew would be, you know, my perception would change mm -hmm. because it was coming from the word being here. And it helped so much. They get perfect now, but it helped our situation. It helped me because I was, it was horrible to be in the situation by myself in the natural. But always going to the word and praising God in the middle of it, like David. You know, mm -hmm. like, I'm tending the shepherd, and oh my gosh, here comes this bear, here comes this lion. Uh, what if, I'm not letting these sheep get messed up. I'm gonna, you're still with me, God. You, mm -hmm. That's good. Like, beat him up. That's good. And he was just by himself, taking mm -hmm. care of sheep. It's like, that's not important. Oh, it must have been something he would, they, they valued their sheep. It gave them the wool, and it, you know. See, that's another perspective. In man's eyes, it may not be important, but mm -hmm. if God gives you that task, it's very important, regardless of what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. we don't value and esteem those lower things he gives us, you're never going to make it to more valuable things. Mm -hmm. And all you got to do is look at the um, parable of the talents for that. Yeah. You got to get five, he multiplied that. Any person got two, multiplied. That person got one. Mm -hmm. He buried it. And see, we talk about knowing the heart of God, like Eric just he mentioned. See, he didn't, he he perceived his master a certain way. Mm -hmm. So that 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 perception caused his his action to bury the talent. He didn't feel free to go to the marketplace and have it multiply. Mm -hmm. His perception distorted his decision making. And it robbed him. Who's to say that one talent? You know, I've never thought that till now. Maybe he would have got more than anybody out of it. You know, like, right. like the widow's might, right? Yeah. Because what she gave was nothing, but it was in comparison to everyone else, the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? You know, when got twenty from it, you know, came back. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. All right. Well. I don't know. I'm going to have to definitely look, listen to this podcast again. All this revelation came out tonight. <laughs> it is good. Yeah, it's a revelation night. And that's not flattery. That's, that's what not, you pray for. That's not flattery. Yeah, it's not flattery. It's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, social media family, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Night. Bye. Bye. See you later. Bye. Actually, can I share, share one thing with you guys? Mm -hmm. uh